Sup, you beautiful bastard. Hope you've had a fantastic Monday. Welcome back to The Philip DeFranco Show. And a quick note before we get started. After constant demand, especially recently because things have gotten incredibly stupid, I'm launching, as of this video coming out, the limited edition Don't Be Stupid, Stupid shirt. Because apparently people have just missed the message over the past few years, we decided to essentially put it on a neon sign. It's now available for you on premium shirts in a variety of colors, hoodies with a plethora of color options, and tank tops with, wouldn't you know it, uh, a number of colors. So if you want to snag one of those, it's one of the top two links in the description down below. But with that said, welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing we're going to talk about today is entertainment pop culture news, specifically about and surrounding rapper 6ix9ine, aka Daniel Hernandez. And as you may or may not remember, this guy was facing a number of charges. Right? People were talking about him facing up to 30 plus or even life in prison. Right? But then he ends up pleading guilty to racketeering and a number of charges. He starts cooperating with the authorities. While publicly that made his name synonymous with snitching, with ratting, legally, it reduced his sentence to just 24 months in prison with five years supervised release. And then he actually ended up getting released early last month due to the coronavirus, right? So he's released, he's put under house arrest, but he is allowed to make and put out music. And over the weekend, that is exactly what we saw. And he did it in record setting fashion. One, he made his general public return on Instagram Live and just crushed the Instagram Live record. The previous records were in the hundreds of thousands and Hernandez got 2 million concurrent, right? And in that live stream, in addition to him kind of egging on the people he called haters. And I've seen everything. Everybody want to be quiet now. For two years, y'all made fun of me. Y'all done made memes of me. Y'all done throw my name in the dirt. Yo, rat bitch, fucking Y'all didn't go through what I went through. And I still came home and I'm a legend at the age of 24 years old because I came home and a rat is doing more numbers than you. I would be mad too. I would. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. He also defended himself regarding the snitching label, essentially saying, why would I be loyal to people that weren't loyal to me and also were actively hurting me? If there is a street code, right? If there is a street code and there's something so, so-called as loyalty and everything and no snitching and all of that, I get it, right? But where was the loyalty when you was sleeping with my baby mother? Where was the loyalty when you was caught on the wiretap trying to kill me? Where was the loyalty when you tried to kidnap my mother? Where was the loyalty when you were stealing millions of dollars from me? Where was that? So who broke it first? All right, I get it. Don't fight fire or fire. I'm sorry. But what did I do wrong? Be loyal to that's fucking my baby moms? Be loyal to that kidnap me? Beat the shit out of me on video and everything. And ultimately promoting his new music video for Gooba that was out on YouTube. And that push was incredibly effective because not only as of recording this video is he at 97 million views and counting on this thing that was just released on Friday. He reportedly got the most views in the first day of a hip hop song on YouTube with 43 million. Beating the previous record holder Eminem for Killshot, which of course was his Machine Gun Kelly disc back in 2018, which I mean, wow, that, those, those are insane numbers. Now with that said, even though all views are essentially equal, it is also important with this story to look into well, how many people are watching it because they like him. And so for that, we look to the likes versus the dislikes and there we see 4.2 million likes, 453,000 dislikes. It's actually a very warm welcome, all things considered. But of course, those dislikes aren't something to scoff at, especially because the general idea of, of hate towards him, you get into dangerous territory. I mean, essentially there is this understanding that he has a massive target on his back. And to make this an even more concerning situation for him, over the weekend, he was doxxed. And according to his attorney, he has now had to relocate because his home address was leaked. But ultimately, that is where we are with the situation and it's gonna be a very interesting one to watch. I mean, for a number of reasons, but 
With that said, uh, of course, I'd love to know your thoughts on this situation in general in those comments down below. And then we need to talk about the updates around the death of Ahmad Arbery. You know, we initially talked about this situation in greater detail on the Thursday Philip DeFranco show, uh, I'll link down below, but uh, briefly to give you a quick condensed summary. On February 23rd, Arbery reportedly went out jogging in the coastal town of Brunswick, Georgia. A little bit later, someone calls 911 saying that Arbery is in a house that was under construction. He also had another person, 64-year-old Gregory McMichael, saying that he thought Arbery was the culprit behind a recent series of break-ins. He and his 34-year-old son, Travis, then grab their guns. They go chase Arbery down the road in their truck, all before allegedly gunning him down and killing him, right? And after that, you had tons of people confused, outraged. Why did this happen? And that grew even more when last Tuesday, a video of the incident leaked. And notably, from that incident in February all the way to last Thursday, the McMichaels were never charged with Arbery's death. But after the show, Thursday night, we see the Georgia Bureau of Investigation announce that it had arrested both Gregory and Travis McMichael for Arbery's murder. The next morning, the GBI held a press conference where we saw Director Vic Reynolds say, I'm very comfortable in telling you that there's there's more than sufficient probable cause in this case for, for felony murder. And at that press conference, Reynolds also addressed questions about potentially arresting a third person. And that's because, according to a former prosecutor on this case, another man joined the McMichaels in hot pursuit of Arbery. And currently, that's believed to be William Bryan who filmed that leaked video. And regarding Bryan, Reynolds said that he, along with others, is being investigated. And while Reynolds said that more arrests could be made, he also stressed that the agency is going to be guided by facts before making any more arrests. It's also important to note here that Bryan's lawyer also said that Bryan has fully cooperated with the investigation and that he is simply a witness to the tragic shooting, adding that there had been a number of crimes in the neighborhood and Bryan didn't recognize Arbery and a vehicle that he did recognize was following Arbery. But seemingly countering that testimony, according to the police report, Gregory McMichael said that Brian actually attempted to block Arbery as the men pursued him, but was unsuccessful. Now, on top of that, one of the other big developments we saw in this case was that on Saturday, several local outlets published more footage of Arbery just before his death. In that footage, you can see what appears to be Arbery going into a house that was under construction. He's only there for a few minutes. He doesn't appear to take anything. And then a separate piece of footage, another person runs up to a stand of trees across the street and appears to be watching what's going on. And ultimately, that footage ends with Arbery leaving and just running back down the street. Now, after this, you had the Georgia Bureau of Investigation confirming that this video is part of its investigation, but notably, they, they wouldn't say if the figure in the video was, in fact, Arbery. However, later on Saturday, you did have the attorney for Arbery's family, Lee Merritt, saying in a statement that his office believes the person in the video is Arbery, saying he engaged in no illegal activity and remained for only a brief period. Ahmad did not take anything from the construction site. He did not cause any damage to the property. And going on to add, Ahmad's actions at this empty home under construction were in no way a felony under Georgia law. This video confirms that Mr. Arbery's murder was not justified and the actions of the men who pursued him and ambushed him were unjustified. Now, in this time, we also saw more videos showing a man that could be Arbery at that house at night. Some of these videos reportedly from as far back as October 2019. However, I should note here, this video has not yet actually been confirmed to be Arbery and we don't actually know why this man was there. Currently, there's little information and large-scale reporting on it. And in fact, according to an Atlanta-based criminal defense lawyer, even though Arbery was in this home, that's not necessarily a crime. And even if it was considered one, it would be a misdemeanor unless he was found to have taken anything. And the reason I mention that is actually very important because according to Georgia law, a citizen can only arrest a person if that person is committing a felony. And on top of that, even if it was a felony, which we are not saying that it is, they reportedly would only be able to use reasonable force to detain a person unless they're preventing a forcible felony or using self-defense. But of course, the McMichaels allegedly initiated this attack with their guns, which is why we saw that Atlanta-based lawyer say, if you initiate an assault, you don't get to then claim self-defense if the other person reacts to them being assaulted. Also, we should talk about the person that actually owns this home, Larry English. You've seen him telling media outlets that his construction site was not robbed, saying, I've never had a police report or anything stolen from my property or any kind of robbery. Also, very notably, according to Glenn County Police records, there have not been any recent burglaries in the neighborhood, except for one filed on January 1st, when someone stole a handgun from an unlocked truck parked at the McMichael's house. And all of that brings us to yesterday, where we saw Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr asking the Department of Justice to investigate how local authorities handled 
settled this case. Now, like we talked about on Thursday, you had not one, but two prosecutors recusing themselves for potential conflicts of interest because they had professional connections to Gregory McMichael. Notably, that second prosecutor, George Barnhill, also advised police not to arrest the McMichaels as he was removing himself from the investigation. At that time, saying it appears their intent was to stop and hold this criminal suspect until law enforcement arrived. Under Georgia law, this is perfectly legal. It's also now come out that Barnhill reportedly told detectives that Arbery's killing was a justifiable homicide. This, even though now you have the GBI director saying they have sufficient probable cause for murder. And actually, this morning, we saw the DOJ saying that it is considering AG Carr's request. And according to spokesperson Carrie Kupek, the DOJ is actually assessing all of the evidence to determine whether federal hate crime charges are appropriate. And, you know, as we've seen new developments, we've also seen new reactions. Some of the notable ones, including Michael B. Jordan, saying, I'm sick to my stomach and could barely watch the video. Another one of our future kings and leaders was murdered. We also saw Taylor Swift saying, I'm absolutely devastated and horrified by the senseless, cold-blooded, racially motivated killing of Ahmaud Arbery. We also saw the likes of Jay-Z, Alicia Keys, Yo Gotti, and Meek Mill all penning a letter through Rock Nation, dressing Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, A.G. Carr, the third prosecutor in the case, Tom Durden. They are calling the arrest of the McMichaels a positive step on the long road toward justice, adding, but it only strengthens our resolve to see that justice is eventually served. In it, they also call for Durden to recuse himself and for Carr to appoint a special prosecutor. Actually, just this morning, we're now seeing reports that Durden will step aside and that Cobb County District Attorney Joyette Holmes has now been appointed to lead the prosecution against the McMichaels. And ultimately, that is where we are right now. Obviously, we're gonna wait to see what happens next, but I, I do wanna note something. Right, that's the, the story, and this is me giving an opinion. The number of people I've seen using the video of Arbery looking through a house on construction and using that as a justification for him being shot and killed, that's disgusting, it's ridiculous, and it saddens me. No weapon, no stolen property was found on his body from all the videos that we've seen released thus far. It does not appear that he stole anything, nor should that be something that justifies what happened to this man. Also, people can project and assume why this man was on the property. It's very easy to do, but it doesn't solidify anything. But hell, as a much younger man with nothing else better to do, I've walked construction sites before. And of course, as always with these things, understand, I, I say this while open to more information, open to more evidence, open to a further investigation. But ultimately, with this story, uh, of course, I do want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts on this story and why? And then let's talk about a big story that, that really is a piece of a much larger topic that we're gonna be talking about over the coming months, and that is lockdown and reopening. So if you haven't seen, Tesla has filed a lawsuit against Alameda County in California, arguing that its Fremont factory should be allowed to operate during the coronavirus pandemic under the governor's new guidance for reopening some businesses. And some background here, that factory has actually been shut down since March 23rd after the county called for its closure as part of social distancing measures and stay-at-home orders, but the company has been pushing to resume production. Right, so if that's situation. And then this last Thursday, we see California Governor Gavin Newsom announcing that he's going to allow for sectors like retail, manufacturing, and logistics to reopen with, quote, modifications that reduce risk. However, and this is a big point here, he stressed that local officials still have the authority to speed up or slow down reopening at the county level. So then the next thing we see is that on Saturday, Tesla CEO Elon Musk expresses his frustration publicly about local resistance Tesla has faced. With Musk announcing on Twitter, Tesla is filing a lawsuit against Alameda County immediately. The unelected and ignorant interim health officer of Alameda is acting contrary to the governor, the president, our constitutional freedoms, and just plain common sense. Then adding, frankly, this is the final straw. Tesla will now move its HQ and future programs to Texas slash Nevada immediately. If we even retain Fremont manufacturing activity at all, it will be dependent on how Tesla is treated in the future. Tesla is the last car maker left in California. Right, and Elon's frustration here isn't seemingly out of nowhere. I mean, it was reported late last month that he ranted about stay-at-home orders in the company's April 29th first quarter earnings call, on it reportedly calling the restrictions fascist and a violation of people's constitutional rights. 
rights. Also, we saw the same day that Musk tweeted his threat, Tesla released a blog post about how it will get its employees back to work safely. And in that post, the company notes that it's the last major car maker in the state, as well as one of its largest manufacturing employers with more than 10,000 workers at its Fremont factory and 20,000 statewide. With Tesla again arguing that its Fremont plant should be allowed to reopen under Newsom's recent guidelines, but it also said that it should have always had permission to continue production because the state and federal government classifies vehicle manufacturing as national critical infrastructure. With the company also arguing that Alameda County, where our factory resides, and Santa Clara County next door have stated in their return to work order FAQs that the manufacturing of distributed energy resources, which is defined in state law to include electric vehicles, solar, and battery storage, is permitted to resume. And along with these points, the company explained that it has worked hard on a robust restart plan, saying it was modeled after the comprehensive return to work plan we established at our Shanghai Gigafactory, which has seen smooth and healthy operations for the last three months. Also noting that these restrictions are being laid on them not for a lack of trying or transparency, and this because they said that they met and collaborated on restart plans with Alameda County Healthcare Services Agency. But then also claiming that the county public health officer making decisions about reopening has not returned their calls or their emails, which they say listed out detailed restart plans, factory layouts, and more. And so saying that the county's position left them no choice but to take legal action. Now following this, we saw Fremont Mayor Lily May responding to Tesla Saturday afternoon saying, as a local shelter in place order continues without major provisions for major manufacturing activities such as Tesla to resume, I am growing concerned about the potential implications for our regional economy. And adding, we know many essential businesses have proven they can successfully operate using strict safety and social distancing practices. I strongly believe these same practices could be possible for other manufacturing businesses, especially those that are so critical to our employment base. He then encouraged the county to work with local businesses to reopen with acceptable guidelines. And shortly after, we saw Alameda County's health department release a statement saying it had engaged in a collaborative good faith effort to develop and implement a safety plan that allows for a reopening while protecting Tesla workers. Adding, we look forward to coming to an agreement on an appropriate safety plan very soon. However, it stressed that, quote, it is our collective responsibility to move through the phases of reopening and loosening the restrictions of the shelter-in-place order in the safest way possible, guided by data and science. We also notably heard from Scott Haggerty, supervisor for the Fremont District of Alameda County, who spoke with the New York Times on Saturday. And he explained, quote, we were working on a lot of policies and procedures to help operate that plant. And quite frankly, I think Tesla did a pretty good job. And that's why I had it to the point where on May 18th, Tesla would have opened. But then noting, I know Elon knew that, but he wanted it this week. And by this week, he was referring to Musk wanting a May 8th start date. All right, so essentially it looked like Tesla was going to get a green light, could still, we don't know the exact timeline now. All right, so part of the question here is, are those moving threats? Is this whole kind of craziness over a difference of 10 days? Which it appears is something that some California lawmakers were not happy about. This, including California State Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez, who, who really, you know, she dug deep and, and kind of greatly explained the situation. I'm kidding. She essentially added fuel to the fire because after Musk tweeted, she tweeted, fuck Elon Musk. And then later on Sunday, she followed it up by saying, California has highly subsidized a company that has always disregarded worker safety and well-being, has engaged in union busting and bullies public servants. I probably could have expressed my frustration in a less aggressive way, but then adding, of course, no one would have cared if I tweeted that. And adding, the deaths from COVID-19 in California are disproportionately Latino. Our communities have been the hardest hit by far. Maybe that's why we take the public health officials' warning and directions so seriously. But that said, at the federal level, we have seen support of Tesla, specifically from the likes of U.S. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, who backed Musk on Monday telling CNBC that California should help Tesla reopen its plant. Also noting they're going to find that if he's threatened, he's going to move his production to a different state. Though there, you've had people argue that moving Tesla's headquarters, especially during the pandemic, would prove to be difficult and costly. With Wedbush securities analyst Daniel Ives writing in a note to investors, moving away from Fremont could take at least 12 to 18 months and could add risk to the manufacturing and logistics process in the meantime. However, this situation might just be the, the nudge that Elon Musk has needed. Right? I mean, Elon has previously hinted that he's eyeing other places to build his cyber trucks and expand production of his model 
Model Y crossover. And you know, there are a number of experts right now that believe that Elon Musk would save billions of dollars over time if he actually did move there. But I mean, very notably, both Nevada and Texas have no income tax. Whereas California has a 13.3% income tax on the highest earners. But hey, that's also just one small part of a much larger consideration. But ultimately, with that said, that is where we are right now. Of note, regarding the automobile industry, we are starting to see factories reopen in the United States. Toyota's restarting their production today, while General Motors, Ford, and Fiat, Chrysler are all planning to restart their plans gradually on May 18th. Also notably, regarding Tesla, even though there's this whole legal situation and public outcry, we're seeing reports that the Fremont, California plant actually started back up over the weekend. And according to a report, you had two employees saying that over the weekend they made around 200 cars, Model Y and Model 3 vehicles. And actually, as we were finishing today's show, Musk has admitted that he is restarting production against county rules. Also saying that he'll be on the line with everyone else and that if anyone is arrested, he asked that it only be him. But hey, like I said, that's where we are right now. Uh, and with this story, I would love to know your thoughts. Do you agree with Elon Musk here? Yes, no, why, why not? Also, do you feel like Elon Musk being public about this, right? It's meant to put pressure on the government or maybe it's more of an and or situation. Is a part of a public push to get Nevada and Texas to try and bid for the company to come to them? Yeah, like I said, I'd love to know what you're thinking on this one. And that is where I'm going to end today's show. Uh, of course, as always, thank you for watching. If you wanna watch more, you can click or tap right there. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow. I hope you liked the video. Subscribe if you like it.